Amen, amen, amen. Last Sunday, last Sunday we started a, a, our series entitled Propel, and um, I, I can't wait for next Sunday's message, which Pastor John's going to be preaching, but I can't wait for that message. It's going to be amazing. Um, but last Sunday we talked about propelling, and we, we used as a reference to uh, push the, the series, we talked about uh, one of the 12 apostles, meaning prefer preferably the Apostle John, and uh, we, we, we did a little, a, a little recap of chapter 1 through and including chapter 4 as, as a substratum, as a base, as a foundation of what this series Propel means to us as a church. And we mentioned that in chapter 1, John in the island of Patmos had this experience where God, Christ, and when I say God, every time I say God, I want you to think of the three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when God Christ, when God the Son revealed himself to John in the island of Patmos, uh, the Bible says that he saw, John saw God's glory, John saw God's power, and, God, and, and John saw God's power, John saw God's glory, and John saw God's splendor. And I said last Sunday that the end of God's presence isn't just to show up. The end of his manifestation isn't just so that we can say Jehovah Shammah, which in Hebrew, Shammah means the Lord is present. But the end of God's presence is change, change. He shows up to change. He shows up to transform. And so John saw this metamorphic experience. He saw this, this, this glorious thing. And the Bible says that John said, it was so much glory, so much power, and so much splendor that I fell as if I were dead. And then he heard a, vo a voice from heaven, which was Christ, said, do not fear. It is I, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, he who was and is and is to come. And then after all of that, when you go to chapter 2, this Christ that showed him all this power, he tells John, now I want you to do something. I want you, I'm going to give you seven messages to the seven churches because presence without instructions is really, it's just an experience. And so he gives them the seven Letters to write to the seven angels of the church. And angels in the church in the book of Revelation is referring to pastors of the church. So you have Tyratyra, Smyrna, Laodicea, Philadelphia. You have all of these seven churches that he's giving them instructions as to how they ought to live in the midst of persecution. Which, by the way, the book of Revelation was written in the time of persecution. So God gives this message of instructions and hope in a perilous time. So he sees glory. He gets instruction. Chapter 2, chapter 3. Well, by the time they get to chapter 4, this says, he says, And then I heard a Lord, a voice from heaven that said, Come up here, and I will show you things which are to come. And the Bible says, the, the next verse says that John, And immediately I was caught up in the spirit in the day of the Lord. And he began to see these things. And so what God is going to do and what God is, has promised to do in us as a church, new birth, he is calling us to propel. He's calling us to uh, go up. He is calling us this year. This year, 2020, is not going to be your, your old traditional mediocre year. But rather, this is going to be a year where I believe that the Holy Spirit will drive and push us, even spring forward us into the things that God has for us. And when I enter this year with that mindset, I am, I, 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 it's easy for me to understand that God can use any moment, any second, any scenario in my life to instantly catapult me and take me towards the place God wants me to go. So in 2020, 
God is going to catapult us. He's going to catapult us towards bigger, greater, and stronger things. Now, a catapult requires three things when it's being used. A catapult requires three things to happen. Number one, it requires height. You cannot catapult something if you're this high. To catapult, it requires height. Number two, it requires acceleration. And number three, it requires distance. And let me tell you, some of us, some of us, distance for us tends to be a bad word. For many of us, the word distance is always in a negative connotation. Some of us made resolutions this year to, to lose weight. And so you wake up in the morning and your, your, your goal is you want to run a mile. But the problem with running the mile is that you begin to see the distance from your house to the mark, to the mark and coming back. Like, ah, I don't think I could do that. I'm too tired. Oh, my God, that's so far. So for some of us, distance is a bad word. But let me encourage you this morning that distance is a good word. Because in order for God to catapult us, he needs distance. He needs distance. Let me explain this. If what God has for me is right here, and I'm right here, the distance between from where I'm standing and the promise is little. So my expectation of God is small. But if there's a big distance between what God promised me and where I am, and I see that there's no way possible that in my strength I can make it happen, now I know I need the dependence of the Holy Spirit and some kind of way what looks impossible with the human eyes, God's going to use height, God's going to use acceleration, and God's going to use distance to push me. But here's the problem. That while I'm here, you're going to get discouragement. While you're here, you're going to get God's not going to use you. While you're here, you're going to be surrounded by people who don't want you to go where God wants you to go. But this is why God is going to catapult. Catapult means he's going to shoot you higher, he's going to accelerate you, and he's going to take you to the distance. So while you're flying higher, you're going to look down below those who are talking against you, those who said God couldn't use you, those who said you were a reject, those who said it was impossible. And by the time you make it here, you're going to say, look and see and taste and see that the Lord is good. So the farther away you are from your blessing, this year God says, it ain't going to take that long because I'm going to accelerate the process. This year, and I'm speaking to your, to your spirit prophetically. This year, 2020, I know a lot of churches now are talking about vision and vision and vision and vision and vision. Our problem is not vision. Our problem is attaining it. And so, so this year God's saying, God says, I'm going to propel you. I'm going to catapult you. I'm going to usher some things in your life that what you thought seemed impossible. Now, you cannot appreciate catapulting unless you're in process. You cannot appreciate being propelled unless you've been waiting for this for a long time. See, 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 there's a scripture I'm going to read that King David wrote, which is in Psalm chapter 60, 61. And David writes this psalm. When you read the book of the, the Psalm 61, the caption or the title of that psalm is one where David is going through a troublesome time in his life. He's going through a hardship. 
I don't know what kind of hardship he's going through. I know he, by this time he might have been king over Israel, but he's going through a hardship. And in the middle of his hardship, he writes this song. And when you read the, enti- read the entire song, it's him asking God for help and for strength in the middle of a struggle. But right in the beginning of the chapter, verse number two, look what he says. From the end of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. And he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In my immediate world, I'm going faint. In my immediate world, I am in despair. In my immediate situation, I don't know what to do. But he's asking the father, would you catapult me to the rock that is higher than I? So that from your perspective, I can look at my crisis and say, God is faith. church. God will propel you to go higher in your walk and to go higher in your giftings this year. There are people in this room that you have so many talents and you have so much gifts. There are people in this room that God forbid, Lord have mercy. If you were to die, you would die a millionaire. Because you have so much riches inside of you, and you've never poured it out to the world around you. There are people in this room that God has given you the gift of being happy. The gift of playing an instrument. The gift of using a gift, a talent. There are people in this room that have so many gifts, and you've been sitting on it like a chicken sits on eggs. You've been laying down and sitting down and sitting down and sitting down. And God has been telling you, I want to use your gifts. I want to use you. I gave you the gift you have because I want to use it for the kingdom. And I don't know why. I don't know why you haven't been able to make yourself available. But I'm here to tell you today, you cannot afford to live another day sitting down on your gift. Sitting down on your gift. Sitting down on your talents. And let me tell you something about your gift. You're not the only one that got your gift. But no one can do your gift like you do it. You're not the only one that can sing. But can't nobody sing like you. Now some of y'all can't sing. But that's another, that's another message. Because I can't sing. <laughs> I can't join the worship team. They'll kick me out. But th- there, are some things, there are some things that you can do that no one can do it best but you. And the Lord is going to catapult you into your gift. He's going to catapult you. He wants to take you further in your talent. So this year is going to be your year of being uncomfortable. And I'm praying to God to make us uncomfortable with everything he has placed in our hands. There are people in Zoom that have the gift. Listen, some of y'all got the gift of making a dollar and turning it into five dollars. That's the gift of entrepreneurship. And we need people like that in the church. We got people in the room that have the gift of art and drawing and, and, and painting. And, 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 you, and, and, and you sing on that stuff. There are people in here that got the gift to sing. And, 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 and what, what do they call that? Looney tune? Or what, what do you call that? What do you call that? That singing, singing thing? Auto tune. Not the Looney tunes. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all got all of this gift. And before you, went, before you came to Jesus, the devil was using all of your talents and all of your gifts and all of your stuff. And now when you came to Jesus, you're sitting on it. I'm here to tell you God is going to accelerate and catapult your gift and your ministry and your talents to the glory and the honor of God. It's going to happen 
this year. Somebody say amen. He's going to propel you further in distance than ever before. God is going to accelerate. But this is not any acceleration. Not any acceleration. This is what I call divine acceleration. Now let me, let me define to you what to me divine acceleration is. Divine acceleration is the super, that's a key word, supernatural ability of God applied to your life, your ministry, your time, and your circumstances to bring his plans to pass at a much faster rate than humanly possible. God is going to accelerate you at such a level that it will not happen because of your abilities. It will not happen because of your strength. It will happen because God, in his supernatural power, he's going to enable you to do bigger, greater, and stronger things. And here's the good about when God, when God decides to accelerate you, nothing can stop God when he gets at work. Once God says go, devil can't stop. Once God says go ahead, I got your back. Baby, rest assured, you're going to make it to the finish line. God is unleashing an unstoppable momentum. So if you find yourself caught up in a move of God that shifts your circumstances, I want you to know that God is going to use that. And he's going to remove every obstacles. And he's going to remove, remove every command of anti-progress in your life. And he's going to give you the power to move forward, to move onward, and to achieve everything God has in store for you. Now let me tell you five circumstances in which you can anticipate or expect divine acceleration. There are five ways. I'm going to give you five. There, there, there are much more. But for, for means of time, I'm only going to give you five. Five circumstances that you can tell in which you can anticipate divine acceleration. Number one, you can anticipate divine acceleration when spiritual warfare has attempted to hold you back. And I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. But if you've been walking in this walk and you feel that there has been a spiritual opposition to keep you stuck where you're at, that is a good moment for God to accelerate and to catapult and to move you forward. There's a story in the Bible, 1 Kings, about a prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, the Bible says he had experienced powerful victory at the front line of spiritual battle for Israel. There's a story where the prophet Elijah, has a, has a, he has a combat with several hundred prophets, false prophets. And God gives them victory. And he overcomes them. And the Bible says he killed every one of the false prophets. To the point that they were like, let's see whose God is a real God. And all of these prophets were cutting themselves, sacrificing God, send fire from heaven, send fire from heaven. And while they're all killing themselves, Elijah was just chilling, drinking the pina colada virgin. He was just chilling. And when they got tired of sacrifices and killing and, and cutting themselves, then all Elijah did, he raised his hand to heaven and he prayed to God. And fire came from heaven and consumed the, the sacrifice. That's power of God, y'all. But all of a sudden, there's a chick by the name of Jezebel who was a queen, and she started threatening Elijah. 
And she started saying, Elijah, I'm gonna we'll kill you. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. And Elijah, the guy who overcame hundreds of prophets, the guy who saw fire come from heaven, the guy who saw God make a way, the, God who, the man who defied, who defied the false prophets of, ba of Baal, now he's hiding in the cave afraid because his, he was attacked by the queen, by this lady called Jezebel. And he's hiding in a cave somewhere. He experienced the powerful victory on the front line. But then all of a sudden, Jezebel retaliated and threatened his life. And Elijah, instead of fighting, the Bible says Elijah ran in fear. And he hides himself in a cave. And in that cave, he tells God, God, kill me. And there in that place, what seems to be a place of failure, a place of despair that he might have felt as if he lost the will to live. All of a sudden, in the middle of that despair, an angel showed up. An angel showed up. And he began to minister to him by giving him supernatural food. I'm talking about you can't find this in Walmart. Supernatural food and drink. To the point that the Bible says, the Bible says that this provision for divine acceleration, that that enabled Elijah literally to travel 40 days and 40 nights nonstop to meet with God. He was hiding in the cave, ready to throw in the towel. He was hiding in the cave, frustrated, quitting. He quit. He gave up. He was messed up. He was upset. He was, he was jacked up. But all of a sudden, when the angel visited him, the angel began to minister and feed him and nourish him, but also told him, I'm going to accelerate the process. Every single minute you've been hiding in this cave, I'm going to make you go faster than you've ever been before. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't stop moving forward in his direction and his purpose with God. Listen to me, church. There are times, church, when the enemy will try to hold you back from fulfilling God's purposes. Even when it seems that the enemy has succeeded, it is never too late for God to make a way in your life. Can somebody say a good amen? So if you've been depleted, I'm here to tell you God is going to supernaturally replenish you in Jesus' name. He's going to overturn the battle and launch you into a victorious experience, into his purposes, to the glory and the honor of God. This year is the year of acceleration. Now, here's another circumstance that's going to accelerate you to another dimension in the divine realm. Divine acceleration happens after you've been stuck in a waiting season. So if you've been spiritually in warfare, get ready. Acceleration is coming. If you've been stuck waiting in a season, papa, mama, papito, papita. If, if you've been stuck waiting, I'm here to tell you, acceleration is on its way. Let me give an example. Moses. Moses spent 40 years. Living as a shepherd in the desert. Before Moses went to the, to the wilderness to shepherd sheep, he was the third because it was the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's son, and, and Moses. They were in charge of Egypt. And all of a sudden, while he's at his highest, he began to have a burden and a passion for the people of the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation. And what happens out of his passion he begins to defend a Hebrew slave who was being abused by an Egyptian soldier. To the point that Moses slayed, he killed 
the Egyptian soldier. soldier. When Pharaoh found out that he did this, he sent a decree to kill Moses. And Moses is running for his life. And in his running for his life, he crosses the wilderness and he goes to the mountain of Midian. And when he gets to the mountain of Midian, he stays there for 40 years. Can you imagine that? But God had called him to be the deliverer of his people. And there was a moment in Moses' life that he thought he would be able to make a difference. There was a moment in Moses' life that he dreamed of delivering Israel out of slavery. But the thing is that now he's 80 years old. And he has ceased to believe it was possible. There are some people in this room that you've been, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're at the point of saying, maybe this is not my time. Maybe God ain't going to do it through me. Can you imagine starting ministry at 80? Can you imagine him with a, with a walker? Can you imagine him with fake teeth on his mouth? Let my people go. Can, can you imagine him with a cane? Can you imagine him? It seems that at 80, God can use him. It seems that 80 is too much time has passed by. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, it don't matter how long. It don't matter how long. God is not a respecter of time. God is not limited by your timetable. God is not limited by chronos. He lives in Kairos. He's eternal. And when he says now is the time, you might be 80, but you're going to be the fastest, strongest 80-year-old person God can use. God revealed. It was his now time to Moses at 80 to deliver Israel. And at 80, when he was 40, he fought a soldier. When he's 80, he just speaks. He raises his staff. At 40, he wants to fight and kill. At 80, God tells him, stand still and see that the Lord, the salvation of the Lord. So what do you do from 40 to 80? You grow, you mature. You realize that you don't fight this fight with your own strength. You fight this fight in the power of the word of God. Listen to me, church. In a short time, a season of acceleration, Moses was propelled into confrontation with Pharaoh, leading Israel out of slavery and into worship for God. Does it feel to you, church? That you have been a long time waiting for God to do what he promised in your life. It may seem as though it is past due time for God to show up in your purpose and in your calling. But I'm here to tell you, church, do not despair. Do not lose hope. Do not lose strength. Because if he said he's going to do it, he will do it in Jesus' name. But we cannot think in terms of what's humanly possible. Because God is not human. We can't think that God is going to do it the way we think he's going to do it. Because our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. So we must simply trust God and believe he can cause things to fall into place in a miraculous way. So that in the process we can understand that God is in control. So Newberg, I've come here to tell you this morning. You are being positioned for divine acceleration. And your past and your time and your warfare is going to usher you into a bigger greater and stronger experience in God. Let me give you another experience that you, where you can anticipate divine acceleration. You can anticipate divine acceleration 
when you've experienced the destructive consequence of sin. When you've experienced the destructive consequence of sin. The prophet Joel doesn't have a, a big book. He has a small book. What was happening in the time of Israel during the times of Joel's prophecy? They were going through hardship. Everything they do, they would do, or they were doing, didn't succeed. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that frustrating that every time you try to do right, it goes, turns out wrong? And every time you do right, it just goes sour? Well, these guys, these guys, they were trying and trying and trying and trying. And every time they were trying to sow and sow and sow and so the locusts would eat it, the harvest. And every time they would plant seeds, insects would eat it. And they were working and working and working and working and working and working. And all of these things that were happening to everything that they planted was consequence of sin. And let me just say, let me just say something about sin. Sin has consequences, y'all. Sin is like a credit card. You go to the store, you buy, you, you swipe. <laughs> That's why, baby. That's why. You're walking over your little bags, talking about you all that. You know what's going to happen in about three weeks? You're going to get a letter in the mail telling them you owe them that money with interest. Sin comes back with interest. Sin. Listen, you do a sin now and you think you got away with it, Papa. It comes back and it comes back with interest. And the people of Israel were living in sin and living in sin. Living in sin and living in sin. And now they want to get right. And now they're planting and, and producing. And now they're planting and nothing's being fruitful. Why? Because the consequence of sin, you got to, listen, 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 listen. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, God cannot be mocked. What does that mean? You can't fool God. And then he says, everything a man sows, he's going to reap. So, 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 let me explain it. So, right? Before I came to Jesus, I was a liar. I was a criminal. Hypothetically, not, not literally, okay? Right? I, I was a mess, right? I did a lot of bad things before I came to Jesus. And then I go to church. I hear the message of salvation. Oh, my God, that's what I needed. I give my life to Jesus. But I broke the law. I had speeding tickets. I got parking tickets I never paid. My license is suspended. There's a warrant for my arrest. But now I'm Christian. So the next time the cop stops me, and he says, I'm going to arrest you. You, you can't say, well, I'm a Christian now. Take your Christian self, and we're going to the prison. And you got to pay them tickets. Same thing happens in just because you came to Jesus. Now, the curse of sin is destroyed. But you're going to reap what you sowed. Now, 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 some of y'all are reaping the bad things you sowed before you came to Jesus. But don't get frustrated because while you're reaping the bad things you sowed, this is a good time to start sowing good things. So that when the bad season is over, this is not the time to quit. This is not the time to leave church. This is not the time to get mad at God. You're reaping the bad, but you're sowing the good because your season is going to come. Now listen, so they're reaping the bad things, 
And God tells Joel, the prophet, to tell his people. He says in Joel 2.25, he says, I will repay for the years the locusts have eaten all of your harvest. He says, I'm going to accelerate it. The harvest that you were never able to gather, I'm going to save it. The food that you were never able to recover, I'm going to save it. Joel spoke of the ravaging effects of sin on a nation. Yet God promised that as a nation, as they turn to him in repentance, he will give them back the years that they lost when the locusts ate the fruit of what they sowed. So I'm here to tell you, church, if you've been going through sin and you've been seeing the effects of sin and you have repented before the Lord, Get ready, because that's a good time for God to give you a harvest in Jesus' name. Another circumstance in which you can anticipate divine acceleration. You can anticipate divine acceleration after you have ran from or hesitated God's call. My example is this prophet by the name of Jonah. God calls Jonah to preach. <laughs> to preach to a nation, the nation of Nineveh. And Jonah, who had, he had issues. And I like, I like the fact that God don't use us because we're perfect. Jonah had issues. Jonah was a racist. Jonah was a prejudiced person. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to preach to Nineveh because I want to save that nation. And you know what Jonah said? No. You know what Jonah said? No. Not because he didn't want to obey God. He hated Ninevites. Why did he hate the Ninevites? Because the Ninevites tortured, murdered the Jewish Israel nation. And he didn't want God to forgive them. He didn't want God to love them. He wanted God to kill them, to destroy them. And so God told him to go to Nineveh. You know what Jonah did? He took a, he, <laughs> he took a, 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 a Uber boat and he went to Tarsus. And he ran away. He ran away from God's plan. And while he's in the boat on his way to Tarsus, the Bible says that all of a sudden that God raised a storm. Let me tell you, some of the storms you're living in is not the devil. Some of the storms you're going through is not, no. It's God orchestrating a storm because you're not supposed to be where you're at. You're not supposed to be in the boat of hypocrisy. You're not supposed to be in the boat of, of, of sin. You're not supposed to be in that environment. And God is going to raise a storm to get your attention. Because he's going to accelerate some things in your life. But as long as you're on that boat, your acceleration will never happen. Listen, listen. And Jonah went to sleep in the boat. And all of a sudden, a wave. And a storm, torrential rain. Long story short, long story short, they cast at lots. It's, it's, there's a problem here. One of us here, I, I say all the time, one of us here, Jake. One of, one of us here messed up. And, 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 and the lots happened that the guy who was a mess was Jonah. And you know what they did to Jonah? They threw him over, overboard. Listen, from the moment Jonah said no, from the moment Jonah said no, God had already sent a message to a big fish. And while he was paying his ticket to go on the boat, the fish was swimming to where God was going to throw him over. I'm here to, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to prophesy to you. 
while you are while you've been running from God, God has been orchestrating some other things happening that you have no idea that they're happening. But there's a fish under the water because of your disobedience. God is using a fish because of your disobedience. God is raising somebody else, and there's a fish waiting for you. And look what the Bible says. The Bible says, at the moment they threw him in, the fish opened his mouth. Swallowed him. And here's my point to that. Disobedience is nauseous. The Bible said that the fish had to vomit Jonah. The fish couldn't digest Jonah. The fish had mal digestion. The Jonah made the fish nauseous. Because disobedience is nauseous. Disobedience get people sick. Listen, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. And you know what happened? You know, and Jonah is in the belly of the fish, and he's there for three days and three nights. And you know what he's doing all that time? Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, God, forgive me. Why is it some of us, we only want to repent when we're in the middle of a... Oh, wow. That's another message. But look at what happens. Look After he... He asked forgiveness on the third day. The fish went, which by the way, when we go to Israel, we're going we're gonna to go there. It's, it's called Joppa. The fish spit him out, and he landed at the very place God originally put him to go. Now, understand, understand. it would have taken longer for Jonah to get on the boat going to Nineveh. It would have taken longer. The journey would have been more than three days to get there. But God accelerated Jonah's process that he made it in three days because a fish can swim faster than a boat. A fish can swim. And, and I'm going to tell you, church, some of y'all, some of y'all, you think that your disobedience delayed the process. Your disobedience created a situation to orchestrate you to be accelerated into what God is going to do. Because at the end of the day, his word and his purpose for you will come to pass. So can you imagine Jonah being spit out in Nineveh and four days later the boat that he was supposed to be originally on? Yo, how you made it here? Yeah, I took an Uber fish. <laughs> and he made it quicker. He made it quicker. Divine acceleration will happen. Listen, if you're hesitating on God's call, this is a good moment for God to accelerate you. If you've been hesitating and saying, I'm not sure, I don't know, you don't understand, I'm going to tell you, it might come sooner than you ever expected. Another circumstance in which you can anticipate divine acceleration, my fifth and I close. You can expect divine acceleration when you've been held back by the choices of others. And the perfect example in that story is Joseph. Book of Genesis. God gave him a dream. God gave him a purpose. God gave him a, vi a mission. But Joseph's own family began to mock him. And they began to call him names. And who was this dreamer? They began to mock Joseph. And they tried to prevent God's purpose in Joseph by conspiring a plot to limit and to destroy Joseph to the point that they captured him, they seized him, they, they, they took off his robe and they put him in a, in a pit and they said, let's see what happens to your dreams. 
I'm here to tell you, church, that the malicious choices of others will do to you what it did to Joseph. The, mal the malicious choices of others in Joseph's life led him to slavery, led him to imprisonment. But however, when God's moment and God's plan came, Joseph was ascended to rulership and he was the second in charge of all of Egypt. Divine acceleration will happen. The Bible says that within a day, within a day, Joseph put aside his prison garments. And he was put on the mantle of rulership. Genesis 41. No person and no action by anyone else can prevent God's purpose from being accomplished in your life. I'm here to tell you, church, that God will use and God can use what the people have meant for evil. That's what the Bible says. Joseph said in Genesis chapter number 50, verse 4, 19 and 20, he told his brothers, what you guys have meant for evil, God has turned it for good. How do I do it, pastor? Easy. Keeping your heart clean. Keeping your heart free from bitterness. Keeping your heart clean from resentment. And fill your heart with the love of the Father. That will keep you positioned for God's purpose to come to pass in your life. Nothing, church, and no one can hold you back when his time comes. Divine acceleration is a reminder, church, that you can trust the timing of God. That he is faithful. That he is sovereign. That he is powerful. That he is God and even the God of the resurrection. So whatever you called and claimed to be dead, I'm here to tell you Jesus can speak life to those dead things, to those dead dreams, to those dead visions. And like David says in Psalms chapter 61 and verse 2, we let that be our prayer today. The second part that says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know where to go, when I don't know how to do it, Lord, lead me to the rock. Propel me in distance. Acceleration always happens best when we follow the leader, which is Jesus Christ. But propel will always take longer when we try to lead ourselves. Jesus said, without me, you cannot do anything. Acceleration works best. Listen to me. I'm closing with this. Acceleration works best through divine association. And I want to give you homework this week. Would you read the Gospel of John chapter 15? Jesus is speaking. And Jesus tells his followers, look what he says in verse 5. I am divine and you are the branches. If any remain in me and I remain in them, they produce much fruit. But I like this part where he says, but without me, they and you can do nothing.